to John 16, 7, 8. All right, praise the Lord. All right, this will be the third part to finishing up the generated spirit vision. And it's not a lot. What we have left over, two weeks ago we started talking about what the intuition of God was. Then we talked about the communion function. And then we, we left off last week talking about discernment. And um, I have a copy of this lesson if anybody wants it. You know, it's a thick lesson. And yeah, I'll make a copy for anybody who wants it. Um, but we left off, and I'm just going to do a quick review. Praise the Lord, because if we can know how to follow our regenerated spirit, then we are going to be very successful about identifying everybody's been in discipling in here. And we've talked about the first witness, the second witness, and the third witness. And praise the Lord, because the Lord never tells us anything. I mean, the Lord wants to tell us everything, but we just don't know how we're going to get there. So he shows us things, but then how we get there, we have to be led by the Spirit. So I love that because the Spirit is the knowledge of all truth. But as we're growing up from faith to faith, this little man knows all the truth, knows all the truth this man knows. This man can't always hear the truth because there's too much what working in his system? Flesh. The resistance of darkness. So here, this full man has all the truth that that little man has. That's why it says the thing about the mustard seed. You know, the power of a small little mustard seed? Because it is so strong what's in that mustard seed that once it grows, it grows what? crazy. It grows large. It can't be mixed with anything else. So the spirit, no matter how small in you, is packed with a hundred percent truth. The problem with a person that they suffer in this position is that they have a lot of flesh. So their eyes can't see the truth. Their ears can't hear the truth and their body can't what? Feel it. So your senses are dictating more than your spirit. But that spirit still has all the truth. So think about this. As we seek the Lord in prayer, meditation, and worship, and we ask him in faith, because it says we have to what? Ask in faith. When he, he doesn't want to give us an answer that we're not going to be what? Ready for. So he puts a cloud of witnesses around you to help you with that because they might be discerning something and they're there to help you funnel into that position. That's why there's a first, second, and a third witness through every process. Because God's got his plan in the third heaven, and Satan's got his plan in the second heaven. Satan's plan is adversity. Satan's plan is temptation. Satan's plan is what? Opposition. God's plan is what? As Jean would say, love, love, and more love. But he has the things on that chart. What were the, were the top things? communing with the Father, spending time in the Word. All those things, we're still working with God, but our spirit's got to get enlarged so we can know that we know it's God and not our flesh because there are desires of the flesh, desires of the mind, 
and then the desires of the spirit, our heart. Those are the ones that are of God. But when we get it, like for example, somebody gets in their heart that they want to get married. They want, because why? The word says everybody's to have a partner. But then instead of letting the spirit mature and show them, what do they start doing? Picking who they want, latching onto that person, making it happen. <laughs> because the spirit is not strong enough to overcome the flesh in that person. And that is what we're growing out journey to journey. We growing out faith to faith. Getting the spirit man what? Stronger. And how do we get the spirit man stronger? Getting the word in us. How do we get the spirit man stronger? Worshiping God. Because in even glory night, you can be in position one and you can still see true visions here on glory night. Because glory night, when you worship, you break the, the atmosphere. You break the atmosphere. And so you know when you're receiving that night, if we've worshiped and we've had hours of worship, the enemy has to what? flee from us. That's why some people leave glory nights, and I have experienced this too, where you walk out that door, and then all of a sudden you start feeling what? Your flesh. You start, sometimes, there's times I've come to this ministry from the very beginning that my spirit showed me something, but my flesh was greater than my spirit. My soul was overtaking it. I'd walk out the door and be angry. And I'm not even a person that gets angry, but I'd feel anger. And I'm like, why am I feeling this anger? And then I break out crying. Why am I crying? Okay, because the Lord is trying to remove something of that dark film, that residue that we all experience. And we have to walk through these doorways of change. And But it's hard because we've got to know how the spirit, how do we get that discernment? And that's what we're talking about tonight, the ring of discernment. How are we getting that discernment ring to be what? Really, um, how do I put it? I don't want to, I mean, it's alive, but you want it to be, you want your discernment to be so on cue that you know when what's coming towards you, if it's of God or not. Because we have a false thinking that everything that comes of God, that means it's going to make us feel good. And that's not always the case. Some of the things that come towards us from God is to help us get into another level of God because we're going to trust him with what we're not seeing. We, I mean, I really did believe that when I became born again, I'm supposed to be happy. And that everything was going to go great and God was going to, you know, forgive me of my sins, which he did, and do all these things. But then I shouldn't have to go through any more emotions, right? I thought it was going to be a little bit easier. And then when it wasn't and I felt like things weren't going my way or what I was seeing, I realized that I was becoming more into that position. Because we have to, this is so deep, we truly have to give up our life. It says in Hebrews chapter 9, Verse 27, it says that we are either going to die, there's an appointed time to die, or there's going to be judgment. And you know, I love God because it's amazing. That little sentence, it's packed. If you guys want to go to that, but it's really short. I'm going to read it to you real quick so you, because we're going to start with that other verse. But the Lord had this on my heart for this, for so many people this week, not because of anything bad, just meaning that do we really understand that? Chapter 9, verse 27 says, And just as it is appointed for all men once to die, and after that 
the certain judgment. You know what that means? That means God's going to come to you at a what? Appointed time. And you have the opportunity to do what? Die. That means you are giving up your life to do what God just asked you to do. But guess what happens if you don't die that one time? It says, and after that, what will come? Judgment. That's a really powerful little statement. Because God loves us so much, and he wants us all to call back up to him, he's still going to put us through what? Judgment if we don't die at the appointed time. The best thing to give me to give an example is really, you know, Chris right now, the Lord gave him a very serious prophecy. It wasn't joking. It wasn't, hey, we're happy to hang. It was, you need to move quickly. You need to move what? He said expedient because he's hit his what? Judgment or appointed time? He hit his appointed time. But if Chris decides not to yield to what the Lord's going to bring him through and he runs, then what is he going to experience? Judgment. Judgment. Because he what? Because he loves you. Okay? The judgment comes because you did you missed that appointed time, but he still loves you so much. He can't go against his own word. God can't go against his word. He sent his word to deliver us from our own destruction. And he can't go against it. And he is no respecter of persons. You could be the best Christian, but when it comes to that appointed time to do something, if you choose not to do it, you're still going to experience the what? The judgment. And that's why learning to follow the regenerated spirits, the conscious discernment, helps us decide, is this an appointed time of God? Or is this going to be what? Your judgment. Did I miss God? Because we all miss God. Everybody in here has experienced judgment. (laughs) We all experience it. So don't get bummed out, but grow that spirit man to get the full discernment so you don't miss, we don't want to go into judgment because judgment, I love this. It says in that verse, if you catch your appointed time, how many times do you die? Once. Okay. If you hit the period of judgment, you are going to feel like you are just being crucified because he's going to crucify that flesh. You can do it willingly or you can, you can do it by circumstance. And everybody knows, you know, I've been ministering it to a gentleman and I asked him something bad really happened to him. And my thing was, now that he's broken, the person's broken, you can say, so when was God showing you? Do you know that God, was God trying to show you something? And when they're crying, what do they say? Yes. <laughs> We've all been there. Like I laugh. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm not laughing at anybody. I'm laughing because God is so good. That if we get this order and we get stronger in our spirit, you can't what? You can't miss him that much. You won't miss it so much. You know, sin is to miss the mark. And we've got to get that in alignment. Sin is missing the mark. Missing the mark of what? The appointed time. And the appointed time is for change. Because he knows we all could not change that fullness. You can't go from born again all the way to the full man. We physically can't do it. He loves us so much that what one person understands is going to be different than what another person understands. You know, I was at a dinner party, and I was fixing my plate, and people were gossiping about these people that were living together, okay? 
I think I've told this story before. And a person said, they just need to get married because it's wrong and blah, blah, blah. And they were what? Gossiping. Well, I'm sitting there with my plate and I'm, I was lived with a man unmarried for six years, but God didn't want me together with him. So God, what? He ended it. I turned and I said, wow, if I would have done your advice, I'd be even deeper trouble because I would have gone ahead and married because of what somebody else was pushing me into. But God wasn't ready to teach me that yet. He says, I love Lee. I'm letting Lee live in this. And then I'm going to come again to her. Because he came to me before I got into that relationship. But guess what? I missed my what? Appointed time. And I was happy to go do what I wanted to do. <laughs> but I do. I know now looking back, I know exactly when God was speaking to me. I knew when that spirit, because I was born again, but my spirit was so small. And I didn't even know it. I, I knew I had something in me. Because you even get a lost person saying, I know something's in me. But that doesn't mean you know how to manipulate it or use it. You know, it's like a new kit. <laughs> Looking at this chart was like open up a box, you know, and saying, wow, I got this. I mean, this is how it works. So then it helps us to become stronger in our discernment and our spirit starts growing more. But, you know, I love the Lord. He let me sit for how many years? Six years I delayed myself because I was living in my little happy world. But boy, when judgment came, it came hard. It came firm. And it put me into a whirlwind where I was, felt the cylinder fall on me. And I didn't understand what was happening to me. But I knew I wasn't in that moment, but I knew that moment was going to drastically move my life. So I love it because I'm not, I know that the Lord has forgiven me and I love God so much because he thought I was worth it to still teach me the truth. We are all worth it. What he starts, he chose every one of you to be born. So what he starts, he's going to what? Finish. It just, that's why we don't judge each other's placement because we don't know where we're at. We've got to be very careful with helping somebody grow because it's delicate. Because once the things started getting out, the heart becomes opened up. Every time you shift from one glory to glory to glory, you're growing in more intuition. You are worshiping God more. Discernment comes out and you don't always like what you see. But you've got to be able to hold on to the word of God to know that he is maturing it. In fact, in our class the other night, you know, I'm jumping on something else, but this is good. Go to James. If you were in, who was in discipleship yesterday? Okay. This verse became, I have read this verse and read this verse, James 1, 2 through 5. This word I have read this and read this and read this, but this word became alive to me knowing that God is trying to mature this in our discernment function of our spirit. It says James 1, 2 through 5. In fact, I'll read it out of my Bible. It says, Consider it wholly joyful, my brethren, Whenever you are enveloped in or encounter trials of any sort 
or fall into various temptations, be assured and understand that the trial, now there's an and, so the trial and what? Read it out loud. Okay, so there are two things. He Be assured and understand that the trial and the proving of your faith bring out endurance, steadfastness, and patience. It goes on to say, but let endurance, steadfastness, and patience have full play and do a thorough work so that you may be perfectly and fully developed, lacking in nothing. You know how powerful this is? God can't give us our receiving until we've gone through what first? Trial. And in the trial, he is doing what? Proving of your faith. He has to stamp us approved. And how does he do it? Through endurance, steadfastness, and patience. So here's the crazy part. The person who comes forward again jumps into the next position. Sometimes it seems like their duration of time is not as long as somebody who's on this bottom row. Because if your spirit is stronger, then what can you do? Endure more. If your spirit is stronger, what can you do? Hold, be more steadfast in the word of God. If your spirit is stronger and discerns, you're going to be what? More patient. Because here, when you go from here to here, okay, the time is not that long, but the pain is intense because you're, you're squeezing out the darkness to get more of the light. But when you get down here, the pain isn't so bad, but guess what is? The endurance, the steadfast, and the patience, is, could be, it could be longer what you're waiting on God for. So this is why I, I, I never understood this when I first came to this ministry. Gene always says he loves the new born again person because they receive so much faster because they're getting through it. They feel pain and they've been in what turmoil. And, but then when they've come to Christ, because they don't understand, they immediately get what a quick blessing, something to keep them what hope in their heart, keep them motivated. But the more you walk out, that first row and know that he loves you and he's with you, that's what he's establishing. In the second row, he's establishing who you are. And that's where a lot of us are, are in that second row right now, figuring out who we are in Christ. But to do it, he really has to work through that. He really has to work through that verse. And he does it through a trial. So we're never, I love, consider it joyful, my brethren, whenever you are enveloped in, that means, now, Sometimes when you're in a trial, don't you feel like you're in this envelope and you're sealed and you can't get out? Or encounter the trials of any sort or you fall in various temptations because that's how you get tested. So we get excited in the trials and the temptations. I really like that verse because it came such alive to me when Jean asked me to read it yesterday because this gives me peace. This gives me peace. There isn't anybody that doesn't have to go through a trial. There isn't anybody that doesn't have to take time. If they want to grow and get through these faster, you have to get this spirit grown up and reach, and you've got to get word in it because remember God speaks to us. He speaks to us how through his, what his word. So we've got to get this full of the word 
spend time with him in the word, and then, boy, our discernment now knows, okay, trial's coming towards me, trial's coming towards me. Okay, I get it. I'm being tested on endurance, steadfastness, and patience. Okay, be patient. Be steadfast with that person. Be endure, endure whatever that person's enduring. You know, but don't, don't look, don't turn it to you, the trial. All you have to do is just evaluate yourself and know, okay, am I at peace or am I not at peace? You can feel all the opposition, but if you're not in peace here and then your mind's starting to do things, okay, stop. Because that wouldn't be what? Steadfast. You're starting to do what you think is right. But God's going to make you feel the peace first on the inside. So you can be attacked, do anything. It's like now when if somebody yells at me, I can really look at them and just be okay. Because I really know that the yelling is not about, it's not trying to beat me up. But if I felt something on the inside, I didn't feel peace, then guess who needs to fix something? Me. Because human beings are human beings. So we, we're surrounded by people like this all day. A lost person a newly born again, we're surrounded by people who are on that bottom row. We could be meeting people like that. But that's the person the Lord uses to trigger something in us. So this is why a a person who's further along, glory to glory, they're not going to get so upset with somebody who has a lot of flesh and you feel their flesh or that flesh attacks you because you know you're part of helping them do what? Endure, be steadfast, be patient. And you know, What we sow, we're going to reap. So what we've sowed in the past years, it's going to come back to us. But that's what the Lord uses to mature us. Okay? We just have to know to discern what's happening. It's like if you know all the answers to the test and you go in, I'm going to take a test today, you go in and you start taking the test, don't you feel comfort because you know the answer? There's comfort. There's confidence in that, you know? But then when you have it, get a test and then you think you know the answers and you get this test and it's like, I didn't learn any of that in school, right? Okay, you're going to react to that. Rachel comes home, mom, nothing on the test was like what we learned in school. How many times have we said that, right? It's nothing what I learned. Okay, that's how you feel learning this process. As you start stepping through it, you're like, hey, we didn't learn it was supposed to be like this. <laughs> we didn't think it's like, that's why I always said in that teaching a couple weeks ago, beware when you say, God, use me for your will. <laughs> we want to be in the will of God, but do we really lay down our own lives to be used for the will of God? Because it's going to take what? It's going to take something out of you. So you have to be prepared. That's why I love it. He is no respecter of person. He doesn't, he's, no, he's not partial to one human being versus another. His goal is the same for every single person. Have you ever met a person who said that person's not good enough? So, I mean, they're just not, they're not going to make it to God. You ever hear people talk like that? Oh, that person's never going to make it. That's bad. We shouldn't be saying that because there is no partiality. God has no partiality with us. He wants each and every single one of us to make it into eternal life. Now, how far we all go, that's up to us. That's the abundant life in Christ us gaining the inheritance of Christ. And so it is beautiful as we learn to yield to, remember the conscious discernment is the judgment seat of your spirit. It's what's judging what's coming towards you so you know what to do. 
When something's coming to you, you got to judge, is it a trial? Am I being tempted? Is it an opposition? Is this a witness? Is this, am I supposed to just sit and stay? What am I supposed to do? That conscious discernment as you commune with God gets so matured that now you don't feel the reaction. It is amazing. I, and I, I do have to use Gene as an example. There is so much going around that man. And you watch the bullets coming towards him, right? And you see when he, I've, in five years, I have seen him grow in certain levels. But right now, the peace that is on him for all the things that could happen, it's like put him up to a baseball bat, right? And keep shooting the balls out nonstop. You know how you get to pick the speed? Okay, Gene's got his bat, and the balls come in every day, right? And he just what? He's on a what? He is on a swing, and he keeps hitting these balls. I mean, he's going to miss them. We all do. But can you imagine becoming that good of a baseball player that you can get in a cage and it's set like on so many seconds and you keep what? Hitting them out of the park. Because that's, now that's a matured spirit. But then you think of a, a, a kid coming in, not knowing how to hold the bat and the balls keep coming and what do they do? <laughs> they crouch down. They crouch down because their discernment isn't, isn't sharpened. That's the purpose of the judgment seat. Not to judge others, to judge how you're handling the incoming. <laughs> okay? So you know how to place it all. I love learning about the first, second, and third witness because as they start coming to you, you know which one it is. I love this. First witness, you already know it inside. Second witness, somebody speaks it. And that person doesn't know you to speak it. It's, you know, the Lord doesn't always use a first or second witness with somebody who's familiar with you. That's why I loved it. Dr. Siddiqui was talking. He did a live thing, and he used our company as an example. It was so cool. There was a live streaming on Friday, and he used our company set up with the ministry. And that was a really, that was, a, that was an honor because it was a large conference that he did it at. But the cool thing, he was saying how we're doing both. We're a dual calling. Our business is about ministry. But the neat thing is, as the witness, he said something. He said, People, as they grow down this, have to be careful about the familiar spirits that get around you. Because if somebody becomes too familiar, the enemy's going to use that. He is going to use that because he wants the person, the people that are assigned to you, he wants you to do what with them? Reject them. Yes, because they have the next movement. But yet, you have to be careful who you're letting speak into your ears a prophet once said to me as I was growing, and I was a real baby at this time, and she called me up and said, there are people speaking into your ears, but they're not from me. They were not from God. Be careful who you let speak into your ears. And so that's why the eyes are a gateway, the ears are a gateway, and they affect our soul and our what? Spirit. That's why when we hear a living word of God, and we hear it, and we connect with it, okay, that's great growth in the spirit and then our soul's got to understand it it's got to reason with it it's got to choose it it's got to go through the emotions but then when a word comes and you don't receive it it bounces off your spirit now think about that somebody's coming and it bounces a familiar spirit can cause you to almost get what N not receive it and then your soul messes you up that's what paranoia sets in Okay, confusion comes in. And the word already says he is not the author of confusion. He is not the author, author of strife. He is not the author of rushing 
If you've got to go rush to do something, you need to what? Stop and breathe and know that you know that it's of God. Because if you're rushing to do it and you know it's not a God, you're getting ahead of God. But if you have that five-second rule that Gene talks about, to do something like, I better go get this $10 and give that to that man. She was in her car and she heard that voice. Give that $10 to that man. Boy, it's like she knew it. Like, And there's a piece on it and you have no doubt and you just what? Go. Okay? But you don't usually understand why you're doing it. That's what I love about God. If you have to reason why you're doing it, be really careful and discern that time. Because I know what everything the Lord asked me to do, it, I don't understand the fullness of it until after it's done. Then he shows me, this is what you were doing for me. And then you go, wow, that's pretty cool. So it's all a growing thing. All right, John 16, 7, 8. Let's go back to John 16, 7, 8. And we're going to do a lot in John tonight because John is a beautiful book about love, how love mixes with the truth of God. Praise the Lord, because this is all about him. This, this growth, we are happier when we are in him and he is in us. So John 16 says, it's verse 16, 7, 8. It says, however, I am telling you nothing but the truth. When I say it is profitable, what's profitable mean? Good, expedient. Advantage us. Advantageous, thank you. <laughs> no, go ahead. I know that was really, I love, I need Sharice in my life. For you, okay, I say it is profitable for you that I go away. Because if I do not go away, the comforter, counselor, helper, advocate, intercessor, strengthener, standby, will not come to you until in, into close fellowship with you. But if I go away, I will send him to you to be in close fellowship with you. Now, I know I didn't read verse 6, but this is verse 7. Oh, no, no, 7 and 8. This is saying I sent this Holy Spirit to you, Jesus had to go back up to heaven, back to the Father, so the Holy Spirit would be given to us. And in that, he tells us and reminds us, I am telling you nothing but the truth. That means this is the truth. And it is profitable for him to go away so we could have this. That means physically we can't have Jesus right by our side because we have him within us. And he promises that he will be our counselor, our comforter, our helper, our advocate, our intercessor, strengther, and standby. But every person I approach, guess what? They have that too. They have that too. Where are they in it? Do you know the more we grow our spirit, we're responsible for the one who has a lesser spirit? We've got to be careful what we tell them. We don't want to lead them in the wrong direction. That's why it says we have to be careful of our words. Verse 8 says, and when he comes, when the spirit comes, he will convict and convince the world and bring demonstration to it about sin and about righteousness, uprightness of heart and right standing with God 
and about what? Judgment. When that verse says, hey, it's an appointed time. You can die once. Or after that, if you don't do it, you're gonna, what, what's going to happen? You're going to face judgment. And it says the Holy Spirit will either con- it will convict you and it will convince the world and bring demonstration of a, a, to it about sin and about righteousness. So this spirit is not only to tell us the good, it's also to convict us of what? The sin. Sin means missing the mark. We know when we're convicted when we miss the mark. That's why nobody has to say, I told you so, I told you so, I told you so. If you are a Christian with the Holy Spirit, the words from another Christian should never be, I told you so. Because deep down, that spirit already had convicted you. It's did you listen to it or not. That's when we love each other as Christ loved us. Because Christ watches us hit the judgment. (laughs) And boy, we need him when we're in the judgment. And he what? It's faithful to what? If we turn from our sin, we humble ourselves before the before Lord, he will come right down and help us. That's why it doesn't make a difference what sin. Really, when I meet people, I don't really care what they have done because I know what I have done and how much I considered myself bad person until God told me, no, everybody has to go through it. So you can meet anybody in the worst case and know that if they just accept the spirit in their heart and they start growing in it, that they're going to fall and stumble But if they start learning, it's the true counselor, the truth, the spirit of truth is in them. And it comes to tell you about your sin and your righteousness. So it's going to tell us good things and it's going to tell us what we need to turn from. So praise God. That is so important. He proves the availability of righteousness through triumphant work of Christ in the defeat of Satan. Do you know the Holy Spirit because it will convict us of our sin? Who who gets who who gets defeated? Satan. So every time we get a conviction or the other word was or we get convinced, you know, if we start learning and hearing these things, then the conscious discernment, the judgment seat of the spirit will help us move which way to go. Turn right turn left, stay on this path, which way to go. And, you know, I have to tell you, sitting in the Episcopal Church, and I say it all the time, I did not know a spirit sat inside of me. I felt something inside of me, but I didn't understand what was inside of me. That's what makes me zealous for the most lost person to know that that's inside of them. Because then there is no fear. What does he say? There will be no fear. And, in fact, he even instructs us in order he tells us, do not, and he says this. How many people have said, showed where it says, do not be afraid? Do not be afraid. The second thing he tells us is what? Stand still. Don't move. And then there's a verse that says, the Lord is fighting for you. All you have to do is hold your peace. We're not supposed to fight anything. We're not, I love, Robin came up to me after discipleship, and she did not tell this, but she's going to tell it on Saturday. She senses a movement in her spirit. She said something's changing around her. And I said, yes, something is definitely changing around Robin. So she thinks her lease is coming up. Remember how she talked about her lease? Her lease is coming up. She thinks she's supposed to move. 
but it's not about her moving. It's about something else is moving, but now she's trying to figure out what? What's moving in my life, right? So she starts going out and looking at new houses, looking at another place to live. And she, she said, and I've convinced myself that I'm supposed to move, and that will be my last place before I meet my husband. And that's cute because she's she is so open about this. But the beautiful thing was there is a movement happening to her. It's really happening within her job, and she knows that. But now she's applying it to everything, and she's not supposed to. She's supposed to what? Do not fear. Stand still. The Lord is fighting around her. But then she's to what? Hold her peace. Going out and looking at houses, not holding your peace. <laughs> It's trying, to cre- it's trying to take that one step ahead of God when God said to you to stand still. Those instructions, which is don't fear, stand still, are so important because in that moment we're supposed to do that, that means everything around us is not positive, but we are not to look at it. We are to keep looking up. And as you keep looking up in your worship, in your time with him, he has angels fighting everything around you. But when we start taking that next step to take what? Control without the discernment of the Holy Spirit, we're leading ourselves into a position of what? Judgment. We, missed, we can miss that appointed time of standing still. But you can easily get right back in that place, the moment you recognize you're off course and you know it because there won't be what inside of you? Peace. You can think you're doing the right thing, but if there isn't that true peace, like you just don't care, <laughs> you just don't care. I had to get to a point where I I want to love everybody and the uh, prophet said I had to get over man-pleasing. That was really hard for me. Because in man-pleasing, I would be solving problems that were not mine to solve. And the only thing that I'm to teach is what this word tells you to stand on. But when somebody is what? They've got too much flesh, blinded. They can't hear everything. It's very hard. You have to let go and let people go through what they have to go. You know, and they have to go through it. And you're loving them more by doing nothing. You are loving them more by doing nothing, and you're letting God move into it. Go to John 16, 13, 14 says, 13, 14 says, but when he, okay, the spirit of truth, the truth giving spirit comes, he will guide you into all truth, the whole full truth, for he will not speak his own message on his own authority. He will tell whatever he hears from the Father. He will give the message that has been given to him, and he will announce and declare it to you, the things that are to come. And you know what? You'll always get a witness of what's to come. I go with the same story every time. When the Lord told me to give away my house for the payoff, and I had $300,000 cash into it, I heard the Holy Spirit say, Show that couple your house. And out of the mouth of my words were, they can't afford it. So my flesh spoke first and already decided that couple's outcome. And when the Lord said to me, they can't afford it, because they told me they could only afford 500000 
because that's how much your payoff is. And I did not want to. I, I just, I rejected that. I kept putting offers in another house because <laughs> my house was not for sale. <laughs> I laugh at that because the spirit of truth told me the truth. But what did I do? Because we all do this. Mm, you know, you're a kid and the kid's telling you the truth. And you're like, mm. come on, right? How many we, we've all done that? Yep, I don't want to hear, but usually that, the truth is being told to you. Well, that's how we act sometimes as we're growing and the Holy Spirit tells us something and we're like, what? Because you don't think it's possible to even do that because it's impossible to please God without the faith of the Lord in you. But when he gives you that type of instruction and you're like, I'm going to have to do this. Well, do you know when you choose not to do it, which I did at first, guess what was happening to every door was what? Shutting, shutting, shutting. The man had to come back to me and say, I saw a vision. I said, what did you see? And this is a minister. What did you see? I saw me handing you gold coins and you handed me keys to a house. And you said, God wanted you to have this house. And I was like, okay, that's a good year. But what was happening inside of me? Conviction. Because I had not shown him my house because it wasn't for sale. And then I had to wait for another witness. But when that witness came and it released me, I called that man up. I said, come meet me at 53 Crestwood Drive. And then the Lord isolated because when I showed him the house, they couldn't believe that's, that they, they're like, whose house is this? They didn't even know it was mine yet. We can't afford this. They said it the whole time. We can't afford it. We can't afford it. Nobody's given us this house because it was grander than the other houses I was trying to get them. And then on the back deck when I said, the Holy Spirit told me to show you this house. And then I started crying, do you want it? And then he, they said yes. And then we all started crying because the Spirit of the Lord landed and I gave up. The Lord said to me, you built it out of love, but love for the man I lived with for six years. But now you're going to give it out of my love and I will redeem everything. So that 300000 that I put into the house I didn't get back, who cares? That moment when the Lord landed, and Jean was so funny. I feel the anointing now. Every time I tell it, the anointing is so strong. The Lord makes me tell this testimony in, in business meetings. Because if we yield to what the Lord will redeem us in, not what we see the law says, he is faithful to do exactly what he tells you to do. And it is so beautiful because all the blessing I received after that is innumerable. And those are all testimonies in themselves. But I had to be able to do that. Do you know even Jean Hall said to me, I don't know if I could have done that, given up $300,000. And the thing is, he said that he asked God, how did she do that? And he said, she didn't reason with me. She just did it. But I did reason at first. But I didn't let that appointed time do what? Go past. Do you know if I would have missed the appointed time that I would have experienced some type of judgment with me in that house? And I didn't know that. I was still zealous. Like, okay, I didn't get you the first time, but I got you the second, so I'm doing it. And I didn't worry about what I was losing because I was gaining something greater. And every time the Lord does that to us, and, and we, we lay down something that we think we can't live without, or something we can't get through because I didn't even know where I was going to move or what I was going to do. And they wanted to close in one week, a 5,000 square foot house. 
pool, back building. I was in, you know, it was crazy how the Lord moved. And you know what? I just put my headphones and worshiped every day through the whole problem. And there was oppositions to get that closed. But every opposition, the Holy Spirit gave me the answer. And when he gave me the answer, because of the hardest opposition was when there was a lien on the property. At the closing, on the closing day. Steve, my attorney, think, told me, already told me I was crazy three times because he knew my house. He said to me, I kept saying, it's God, it's God, it's God. He said, you know, okay, well, I'm going to tell you, there's a lien on this house for $24,000. I said, for what? I partnered with a business with my sister, and she didn't pay taxes on her business in Pennsylvania. They leaned my property because I was a co-note. They don't have to tell me they leaned my property. I was like, oh, you I was on the phone to my sister. <laughs> she said, Lee, calm down. It's only $7,000. I've already gotten most of it paid off. I said, okay, do you have $7,000? Well, anyway, the attorney then called the IRS to get an update. They said, the IRS will not give us an update for 45 days. We had to close on it because we couldn't wait 45 days. So he said, Lee, if you're closing on it, you need to bring $24,000 to the table. You know what I did? Moving vans moving me out of the house, right? I said, Steve, we'll close it on Monday, but I'll let the people move in today. He's like, are you sure? I said, yes. Well, I put those headphones on. I'm like, God, in the middle of this room, you told me to give away this house. for My, my payoff was $4.98. You told me to give me this house for this payoff. I said, so you have this answer. I really was. That's exactly how I spoke. I spoke with force. You know how you say you have to take the enemy by what? Force. I spoke it with such force. I said, and I didn't. Jeans in the house. People were coming to help me. I didn't tell anybody. Man, I wanted to tell you, Gene, I didn't want to God. I didn't. Gene had no idea what I was going through because, Lord, I wanted to tell him and something what? Because if I would have told Gene I need $24,000, the man would have probably wrote me a check. But that's not God's will. He wants us to work out our problem. And something kept me from telling him. I move into this new house around the block that I actually owned, this house that became available. I am worshiping the next morning. I said, okay, God we got to close this house on Monday. You set this up. What is the answer? And all I kept on hearing was a small voice. Joe. Soft, still voice of the Spirit. Joe. Joe. And I sat up in my bed. Joe. Okay. So Joe's got the answer. Who is Joe, right? So I just, I skip. What do I do? I do exactly that instruction. Do not be afraid. Stand still. Don't try to figure it out. But I knew the puzzle piece. Joe. So I come into the office, pull up my computer, and there's an email from Ameris Bank where my mortgage is saying, hey, this house did not close. Your payment is due. So let me know why it didn't close or and, and you know, transfer the payment. And at the bottom of it, guess who it was? Joe. Some guy named Joe. And it hit me. Okay, this man has the answer. So I was like, Lord, what do I do? And I heard, just tell the truth. Just tell the truth. Okay, so I write Joe back on a Saturday morning. Joe, and I wrote it in big letters. <laughs> I have these texts. J-O-E, Joe, did not close, found out that I had a lien of $24,000, do not have $24,000, so I will send you my payment on Monday. Do not know what I'm going to do. Okay, go home, enjoy the rest of my day. 
Remember, I have no internet, so I have to come to the office to check my email. My phone at that time, I didn't get it on my phone. Come back in here on Sunday. I get a response from Joe from Ameris Bank on Sunday. Joe says, which I could not believe this, he said, your original mortgage was with Taylor Bean and Whitaker. We bought your loan from Taylor Bean and Whitaker for $70,000 less than what you owe us. So we want you to close this loan because we're still going to make $50,000 if you close. So we will give you the $24,000. That is crazy because I wasn't in debt. I wasn't behind on a payment. That I was behind then because we closed on the 30th, and they just put that month's payment into my payment. But I wasn't late like affected my credit. I got that text, I, and I was at the office for hours, so he responded back within that hour. I mean, actually, he responded back overnight, and he said, get your HUD statement to say zero. I saw his cell number. I called the man. I was like, are you for real? Is this for real? He said, yeah. We bought your note less than what you owed the original note holder because Taylor Bean and Whitaker was a big subsidiary. I don't know if you know about it, but fell and they had to sell all the loans to all these other bankers. They bought mine for $70,000 less. He goes, honestly, we don't want to keep jumbo loans in our bank. Jumbo loan is over four seventeen. So he said, we'll take the $20,000, the $24,000 hit because we still make 50 off of you. I, I honestly, I, I didn't even cry because I was so shocked in God because I didn't deserve that $24,000 save. You see what I'm saying? I made a promise to a bank. That's how much I would pay back. I said, okay. I, I said, I will CC this letter on to the attorney. We closed 4 o'clock on Monday. And I didn't even owe the IRS $24,000. So that $24,000 check went to the IRS, paid off my sister $7,000. And then I got the rest towards my next year's taxes. Now that is God. And the anointing, when I tell this, is because it was the first large movement that I yielded only to that Holy Spirit. I didn't tell anybody what was going on. And when it was all done and I was signing the papers, Steve Jackson, who knew me, knew the house, knew everything, he goes, Lee, I have never seen anything like this. What bank? You're not even in foreclosure. You're not even in short sale. That he was overwhelmed. At the pow that was the power of God because what was I doing? Worshiping, meditating on his word. I'm not saying I deserved it. I didn't deserve it. But my discernment was my judgment seat as everything was happening. I was knowing right on cue. Okay, if he says, Joe, relax and just it, it'll come to me. He just gave me the sign to know when it was what? Coming to me. So I knew when I saw Joe's name, all I had to do what? Was do not be afraid. Stand still. He has it all together. He's fighting my battle. And I could have given up on that house on Friday. I don't have 24000 Forget it. We're not buying. Don't move in. I kept everything going. Yep, they can move in. Steve goes, are you sure you want them moving in? I was like, yes. And so it all kept flowing. And you know how I also knew it was God? When the man had a vision, and he said, I gave you a bag of gold, and 
I handed you keys. Do you know before we closed on that house, <coughs> he handed me $100,000 that he transferred in from gold. Now, but he asked me to put it against my payment because he wanted the, the sale to record that it was 100000 less, you know what I mean, that I sold it to him for three ninety eight, not four ninety eight. But it was weird. There was a supernatural feel when he handed me $100,000. Now, isn't that amazing? He, didn't, he did not know me. He brought a check to me for $100,000 and said, I have to give this to you to put down towards your payoff. I said, we haven't closed on the house yet. He said, this is what God told me to do. You're giving me keys. I'm giving you $100,000. I immediately had it transferred over into the bank and gave it to the bank. But the thing was, is he was following God's what? Instruction. And he knew, and there was, he, we could have not closed. I could have gotten an argument with him. And guess what would have happened to that 100000 He would have lost it. There was no agreement between us. He handed me $100,000. Then I knew, oh, my God. I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God. You know, like God was moving in my behalf. He said to me, you have to come to zero. You cannot own what he has me to do. I could not own anything. So, but he, the thing he gave me to give up first was my largest piece of money. But then he took everything what? I am at zero. I owe no man money. I just owe taxes like everybody else. But everything I have is free. There is no debt. And there is an anointing that God wants to press through this year and get people finally out of debt. And if they can learn how to discern from the judgment seat. Remember, the judgment seat's already in us. So if we feel the judgment, go with it. If we get the conviction, turn from it. If we get the what? The, the Joe's going Joe's gonna to do something. Trust it. And just wait on it. Don't seek it. Stand still. He's fighting the battle around you. Because he said to me, for me to do what I'm called to do here with Gene, I could not own anything, and I had to be out of debt, but I had to do it his way. And it's amazing because I had 20 properties, a Mercedes, a big house. There was a lot of stuff that had to move. And it was overwhelming at one point, even past that, that I felt, I felt the balls were what? I couldn't keep up. I couldn't keep up with everything God was showing me because I still, my spirit was still a baby. I was still growing in it. So I missed a ball. One of my properties, I missed God. Even after the big house, and you could think I could hear God. <laughs> I still miss God because once you get, you ever know when you're going through your endurance and you're steadfast and the, you're smooth, it's going, right? You're hitting them. But then what happens? You get what? Tired. And it's hard to stand fast. You get tired. You can't keep running that same race. Well, I had a glitch, and I missed God on something. But then the awesome part was he brought his what? Mercy. Because I was trying to figure it out. Praise God. Every deal we bring on that business, I submit it to the Holy Spirit. Because he knows the answer of that deal before I know it. He really is the instruction, so there truly is a judgment seat. But we just have to know how to discern it as it's coming to us by the witnesses. Joe was a witness. Okay? The money exchange, the hundred, that was a witness that I was doing the right thing. And you know, witnesses don't have to come from holy people. 
Because the witness that really called me to do it, to invite the man to look at the house, was the realtor that he was originally worked with, and she had to sign the client over to me. And she, all she said to me was, Lee, they th- God told them they're getting a house for 500000 but it's a million-dollar house. And she's laughing at me on the phone. You can have them. She didn't even want, she, did, she didn't care. She said, you can have them. And she goes, Lee, I know where you live. And her words were, would you give him your house for $500,000? Now, what was telling me? That wasn't, it was God speaking, but through somebody who didn't what? Believe. But God used that person to be my witness because, ugh. Man, yeah, I had the appointment done the next day. And guess what? I was sitting, I have a circle, I had a circle drive. I'm looking at this house. And she's saying, I know where you live. I said, Oh, you know where I live? She goes, Yeah, I live in Southbridge too. I said, Oh, you do? She goes, I know your house. You wouldn't give away your house for five hundred thousand. And then, oh, I'm looking at it at the same time she's telling me it. So that's what God does. He asks us to do something we don't think we can physically, emotionally, financially do. But he can do it. And so that's the beautiful thing about the the regenerated spirit. Hear what he says. Commune with God. If you don't know the answer, go into what? Worship. If you don't know the answer, pray on this Bible and say, Lord, show me what you want to teach me. And then boom, there'll be a word that'll hit up with you. And the Lord told me, I was to own no one but to love them. And I know when I work with people and they bring me their debt, because the anointing is no matter what, when I lay hands on that and I said, are we in agreement? Be in agreement with somebody who's gone through it. Because now I'm not saying it's not me. It's the power that will now connect to help you get through that same thing. And everybody in here, whether they have debt, they'll be out of debt in this ministry because we are connected to be out of debt. And so, you know, it's, a beautiful thing when we hear his voice, hear the impression, commune with him, and then discern. It's, I love this. He proves the availability of righteousness. He proves it. I couldn't have done that. I didn't, I didn't show that I was superwoman selling my house for 500000 He proved his righteousness by being available to tell me And put me through, and I love this, the triumphant work of Christ through the Holy Spirit defeated what? Satan. Where was Satan? Satan didn't want this family to have this house, did he? Now let me tell you about this house. The beautiful thing is these people are still in this house. This is like six years ago. They are still in this house. And they now opened up Southbridge Community Church. They know Ashley and Gons. They do all their Bible studies in that house. Even the person who owns Club One got saved in that house. After he does such a strong ministry in that house, I never built that house for me. God knew back when I was in what? Sin. He already had me, and I remember I was building it. I didn't want to, it's not, it wasn't my kind of house. But the Lord had it built because he knew who I was building it for. So isn't that awesome? All of our sin gets what? Redeemed. So it didn't make a difference that I built that house and lived with a man unmarried. God used it for his purpose. 
which was to set a church in Southbridge, community church, to grow. And that family, what they do in that house, it is incredible. And when people come in, they're like, God gave you this? <laughs> you know, it makes them want to believe in God more. It's not about how expensive the house was. It's about how he redeemed me from something I was in the wrong and made it his beauty. And you know what's also powerful? You know your pastor, Pastor Law? He lives in Southbridge. And he moved here, I think it was about 2004, 2005. Well, I moved in that house in 2005, and I was out planting flowers. I did not know him. He pulled up at that house, and he was just like, wow, that is one of the most beautiful houses in Southbridge. I said, thank you. And he was just like, is it for sale? I'm like, no, I'm moving into it this week. And he said to me, and I did not understand the kingdom. He said to me, ma'am, that is a kingdom house. God is on this house. Now here, I went to the Episcopal Church. You know, I wasn't even, I, I wasn't where I am at now. And I looked at this man and I was like, okay, it's a kingdom house. <laughs> you know, like he stood there for a long time. And when he, I first met him, he looked at me, he goes, you live in Southbridge. I said, not anymore. I had to give away that house. I had to give it away to a pastor. And he just was in awe by the story. But he's the one, believe it or not, you, the Lord, that came back to my remembrance. When he stood there and he's like, that's a kingdom house. That's a king. He, you know how he is. That's a kingdom house. Well, you have a great day. You know? And he, and he moved on. I was like, oh, God's on my house. I'm living in sin. Right? <laughs> No, I didn't say that because I didn't know I was really li like I knew I was living in sin. But I mean, I made up every excuse because I love that man that I built that house for. It was his dream house. He said he always wanted to build a house. And I said, here's the money. Go ahead. Do it. <laughs> like I even bought him a Mercedes. <laughs> but, you know, I love it because it's all being redeemed. It's all redeemed. And so and God does what he's going to do. So if we can get that in any relationship, in any situation, if we can see the bigger picture and try to know, surrender our what? Die what? Once <laughs> during the appointed time. But if you're in judgment, I'm going to love you. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I'm still going to love the person in the judgment because the judgment is what teaches us to get what? stronger, more endurance, more patience. You're not going to miss it the second time. I cried at Jean's desk. I missed it after that big house on another house. And I'm sitting at Jean's desk. I'm like this. <laughs> I am crying. And Jean's looking at me. And he said he was really angry at the devil that day. He said, because Lee, you were like knocking him out of the park for not being so much into it. And he said, and the, and, and the devil was getting you at that time. And you were letting it happen. And I was like, yeah, but now I look back on it and I like that, th that moment because I asked the Lord, what were you doing then? And you know what he said to me? He said, I was removing your pride. I was removing your pride. And the Lord said, whatever you sow, you have to reap. And that house I had to hand back to the bank. This is a house that I bought, lived in, and then sold. And because I could afford it and the, priest, the people three years later wanted to sell it, I bought it back out of pride. Oh, I, because I can do it. I didn't have to buy that house back. I did it out of pride. And then in the middle of the night, my renters leave. And the Lord said, you're selling this house. You are not putting another set of renters in it. He made those renters move, leave, and they left a Joyce Myers Bible in this house. That was the only thing that was left. I went in there, and I cried asking the Lord, 
because it, it was it was I was over top on it. It wasn't like the big house. It was twenty thousand dollars more than what I you know what I mean. I couldn't sell it. It was it was upside down. I said, Lord, what are you doing? And I remember crying and holding the Joyce Myers book. And the Lord said, I am going to remove your pride. Now are you ready to listen? And, I, and he said, now you're going to hand it back to the bank. And I didn't want to hand it back to the bank. Why? Yes, I didn't want people to know I had to hand it to the bank. And I am in the middle of this house crying my eyes out because I knew at that point I could not stop the process of where it was going. But I'm going to tell you, pride did leave me that day. I called the bank up. And you know what? It didn't hurt my credit. It didn't do anything because it was awesome how God did re redeem that. Because even though I may have missed something, he was going to use it to get pride out of me. But then they never recorded it. It never got recorded that I handed it back to the bank. When the bank sold it two months later in foreclosure, they called me and they're like, we need your help. I said, why? We never wrote this. We never reported it. It never got transferred into the county. So now we need your signature. We need your help. Or these people can't get this house. And I said, okay, well, then I am coming boldly to the throne of grace. And I am requesting that if I sign this paper, that it doesn't show up that I deed and looted, that it was a, a sale. They wrote a beautiful, <laughs> they just needed my signature now because these people were waiting to move in. And they wrote me a beautiful, the, I mean, the attorney wrote a formal letter. I signed it. And it never affected me. So isn't that awesome how God redeemed that? That should have never happened. A paper mistake that turned into my benefit. So I am telling you, grow that spirit. Grow that spirit. It knows everything. It knows, I mean, and even, you know, I told this to Wendy. I, that When that man cheated on me and I started coming to this ministry, I still had to live with that man for a year after on separate ends of the house. Because God said, I promised that I married him. I didn't marry him on paper, but I said to God, that's my husband. So you know what God made me do? I had to, it all had to end what? His way. And he showed me the verses to stand on. And one day it was so amazing. He just writes a note and says, I'm leaving in a week. I'm gone. But it took over a year. But I submitted to God. I said, if this is my husband, then let's get married. If this is not my husband, then let's make this work. Well, it took a year for that process to work. But boy, when he did it, it was like one day I felt like I was suffering. And the next day I was what? Breathing, breathing. Because that's how he does it. But I still had to what? Do it his way. Everything we do has to be his way. I'm going to encourage everybody to read tonight. John chapter 14 before you go to bed. I actually wanted to teach some of tonight, but I think it's too late. What time is it, Marvin? 750, okay. John chapter 14 is so beautiful. In fact, it starts off with, so beautiful. The Lord had this on my heart for several people last night. But in your book, if you see, it says major in love on the top of your book. It says, do not let your hearts be troubled, distressed, agitated. You believe in and adhere to, and trust in, and rely on God. Okay? Right. We all want to trust God, right? Next sentence. Believe in, and adhere to, and trust, and rely also on me. 
So we can love God all we want. But if we're not trusting in Jesus through the Holy Spirit, great, you can love God all you want, but you're not going to get to where God needs you unless it's through Jesus Christ because he's the way, the truth, and the life. I like it. The way, that means you got to choose it. The truth, that means you got to follow it. And then the life means that's what you're going to receive is the life he had for you, not what you created for you. Because it says, in my father's house, there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would not have told you. Okay? Everything Jesus told us on here, he was telling it because the father told him. For I am going away. We just read that in the other verse. He goes away to prepare a place for you. And when, parentheses, if I go and make ready a place for you, I, here's the promise, will come back again and will take you to myself. That where I am, you may also be. That means as you yield to him, and start trusting, he will make what? A dwelling place. What's that dwelling place? The regenerated spirit. And he will come to you and he will create that spirit in you. And then he will draw you to himself because you're going to be in him. So as you get to that bottom row, that person is walking with Jesus, knowing it, feeling it, growing with it, because he prepared that place. You couldn't bring the regenerated spirit in you. Only by confessing your words and believing in your heart that it is real, it ignited in you. But now walking it out, he now actually creates that dwelling place. He sanctifies you. And he makes that place where you know you know that it will never go away. He doesn't leave. In fact, it's in Second Chronicles. I think I taught it last. Turn to Second Chronicles. Wait, it's in this one. I can read it. I know how to find it in this one. Second Chronicles is when he says, it's actually Second Chronicles, I opened right up to it, 7, verse 14, 15, and 16. This is what he's telling you. Actually, we're going to go right to 6, 16. For now I have chosen and sanctified this, what, house, that my name may be there forever, and my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. That means it never is going to what? It never leaves you. Even though you may feel Christ pulling away from you, how many times, hey, how many times have people felt Christ pulling away from them? Yep, you're in here and you're worshiping and you feel Christ pulling away from you, but he's not. If you are worshiping and staying in the word, he is there, what's the key word? Perpetually. He doesn't go, so your senses may not feel him sometimes. But he's there, and that's when he's testing you. When he pulls away, you're about to enter into a trial because he's going to prove your faith to stand on his word. So he gives you that word and says, okay, now let's see how we're going to do this. Stand on this word. But I love it. But we even have to hear his commands. Like when he said, Joe, that was his word. He was telling me a piece to connect with. He was giving me a clue. And so you kept, it was like going to the next space. Okay, Joe, I met Joe. Okay, now what do I do next? You know what I mean? And then he says, 
what, now close on the property? Okay, go show up the closing. Talk to the guy. You know what I mean? And he gives us these instructions, but if you don't get the next movement, like playing Twister, you can't move the next limb on the next spot until you what? Spin the wheel and you have an instruction. So we can't go to the next thing until we get the instruction. So we just hold on to that one piece and go from there. Hey, how are you? Praise God. Hey. So isn't that awesome? So we really, we have to stand and wait until we receive that next piece. And then it just goes beautiful. So that is the lesson for tonight. I'm just finishing up, guys. Praise God. But that's, that's discernment in its fullness. And you know what? On Saturday night, I'll be teaching. Jean's going to be out of town. And we're going to be teaching about the witnesses. And we're going to go through that walking chart. So, Because Jean wants us to keep teaching it. Keep teaching it. Because remember, your witnesses aren't going to be like everybody else's, but the process is still going to be the same. The test, the trial, the opposition. Okay, and that's why I love that story about what happened to me with the house because, man, that's so real. Every time I speak it, like I said, the anointing falls, and it's just, okay, who has debt? (laughs) Boom, (laughs) boom, 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 because that is something God wants to get rid of your debt, not because you're getting a paycheck every week. He wants to get rid of your debt because you come in agreement, and you're going to be willing to hear his through the conscious discernment. Conscious discernment is so important. But remember, the enemy comes strong like an angel of light. So the enemy can get us off what God wants us to know. That's why it says when you when he tells you